the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Last weekend, I laid a foundational message related to this whole idea of recovery, and and I I promised you that over the next seven weeks, beginning now today and this weekend and moving through six more weekends after this, I'm going to share with you what I believe to be the seven steps to recovery. And I want to talk today about the first, first step in this process of recovery, and I want to talk to you about a very important word, and that is the word repent, R-E-P-E-N-T, repent. The Greek word is the word metanoia. It's a word that has a lot of different meaning to us, and we're going to get into the concept of the word in a few moments and what it actually means in our lives and what the step actually is uh, toward recovery. But the very first step, the entrance ramp to every good thing that God will ever do in your life. Let me say that again. The entrance ramp to every good thing that God will ever do in your life starts with repentance. That's how it all begins in the Bible. In fact, if you study, especially in the New Testament, you'll see that everything that God did in people's lives started with repentance. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus the Messiah to come by preaching repentance. He called people to repentance. When Jesus started his ministry and began to preach, the Bible says the first thing that he preached was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is, God wants to bring his kingdom rule to your life, but it starts with repentance. And you can go all the way through the book of Acts and study the early church and the messages that they preached time and time again. And oftentimes you'll find that most of those messages will begin at least with the theme of, if not necessarily specifically the word of repentance. That if God's going to do something in your life, God starts in that work in your life through this thing called repentance. And so it is the entrance ramp to recovery. Do you want to recover? Do you want recovery in your life? Do you want to recover the things that you have lost, the things that have been destroyed, the things that the adversary has stolen from you? Do you want your life to experience God's recovery? It begins. The entrance ramp, the ramp, the first step is the step called repentance. The first question is, what is repentance? And here is your answer. On your notes, you'll find these words for you. Repentance is this. It is an awareness, a desire, and a decision that leads to change. Notice three things there. It is an awareness. It is a desire. It is a decision that leads to, here's another big word, that leads to change. We might want to insert there positive change, godly change in your life. I want you to think with me for a moment, what what is the key, what is one of the keys for the decisions that you make in life? Quite often, the reason we make certain decisions is because of awareness. For example, until you're aware of some sickness in your body or some disease that you're facing in your physical being, you will not pursue a doctor or healing. It is the awareness of the symptoms, the awareness of the disease that leads you to a cure. 
Until you're aware of important information as you're about to make a decision, you will often be misinformed and you'll make a poor decision because you're not, you're not aware of the facts. And so awareness of certain facts leads to better decisions. It leads to something valuable in your life. The same is true with your personality. If you're not aware of your personality issues or your character flaws, you'll never improve yourself. And so your improvement at a personal level requires an awareness of things that need to be improved upon. And the same is true when it comes to our relationship with God, that until we're aware of where we're missing the mark with God, until we are aware of the things that we're doing that are actually contrary to, opposite of what God says in His Word and what God has given to us based upon what His will is for our lives, we will continue to live in them. And so awareness is the key to change. If you don't have awareness, you're never going to change. Jesus said it this way in, in, in John chapter 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will, you can complete that with me, the truth will do what? It will set you free. You will know the truth. You'll become aware of the truth. The truth will become real to you. It will become something you'll understand. You will know the truth. You'll become aware of the truth, and that awareness of the truth will lead you to the steps necessary to experience freedom. So repentance is all about making us aware of our need to experience change in our lives, to be changed and to choose to change. Knowing the truth leads to us then desiring, as we'll talk about in a moment, the the change that is necessary. Now, how does God make us aware of those things that we need to repent of? Well, he makes us aware by the presentation and the reading and the communication of his word. So his word is truth. And so the more we get into this book, it opens up our eyes. We become aware of things that we were not aware of before. You probably had that experience in your own life if you study the Bible at any point in time. That you read a verse, you said, my goodness, I've never seen that before. And it said something to you that you'd never understood. There was an awareness that came. It was a revelational moment that came to your life. And then that revelation of the Word leads to the convicting work of the Spirit. It's when God begins to say, you know what you need to make that change in your life. What I've said here needs to apply to you in here. And so the Word, the awareness through the reading or the preaching or the teaching of God's Word, you see truth, and then truth says, oh my goodness, this is something I need in my life, and you have that, that pricking of the heart, that sensitivity that says, this is something that I need to address. There's usually a, a bit of sorrow that you feel when you realize that you're out of line with what God says He wants for your life, and then that leads to your response, and you will either listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit in your conscience and respond the right way, or you will push Him away, and then when you push, if you you push him away, it hardens your heart to what God wants to say to you in the days to come. And so rejecting truth, rejecting awareness, and rejecting the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is a dangerous thing to do. But the right thing to do is say, yes, God, I I hear what you're saying. I'm aware of what you're trying to communicate to me. I feel the conviction, and now I'm going to respond to your truth. Now, let me Take us now to the second word that's associated with repentance. So first is awareness, but awareness leads to desire. I'll say that again. This is what repentance is all about. Repentance is not God sitting up in heaven trying to make you feel miserable about your life and all the bad things you're doing. That's not not how God operates. 
God wants us to be aware of those things that are sinful in our lives and that need to change. He wants to get our attention about those things, but he doesn't do so to condemn us. He does not do so to bring us into despair or to bring us into a place of just simply feeling bad about ourselves. No, he, 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 he makes us aware of things to produce in us a desire, notice that word, a desire to change. See, repentance says, I'm not happy about my life. I'm not happy about the way I'm living. I want to to line up my life with God's word and with God's will. So there is a desire. I want to is important. So repentance produces a want to. I want to change. Awareness leads to desire. See, repentance, genuine repentance, people have a wrong attitude at times about it, wrong perspective, I should say, about it. They they think it's just feeling bad or feeling sorry about something. And usually that's just like for a brief moment, I kind of felt bad about it. Then I go on with my life as usual. No, that's not what repentance is. Repentance is an awareness based upon the truth of God's word, a response to it by conviction in your heart and response to say, yes, Lord, I now desire a change in my life. So notice these three things, awareness, desire, and then comes the third thing, that is decision. So there are a lot of folks, if you don't have all three of these, you don't have repentance. Because the awareness and the desire, I have a desire to do lots of things. How about you? I have a desire to lose some weight. Doesn't mean I will ever, ever will. I have the des- desire to do lots of different things. But if the desire doesn't turn into a decision, the process is not complete. And so real repentance, what is it? It is an awareness of those things that God wants you to address in your life that then produces not condemnation and not a feeling of being miserable about it. You'll feel sorry for where you are, but you want to change. There is a desire. And then you start making decisions that actually change the way you're living your life. So awareness, desire, and decision. Say that with me. Awareness, desire, and decision. That's what repentance is. Now let's go to the why question. That was the what question. What is repentance? Awareness that leads to a desire that leads to change, leads to decision. You haven't completed the cycle. You haven't completed the circuit of repentance without all three of those things. Number two, why is repentance important? The reason that repentance is important is because here's the answer to that question. Repentance aligns your life with God. It aligns your life with God. Why is it important? Because we need our lives to be aligned with God. Now, why do we need our lives to be aligned with God? Well, first of all, because we owe that to God. He created us. We would not even be here had it not been for a God that brought us into this world and gave us life itself, and God is our creator, and so repentance is important because at the very basic of basic levels, God deserves our obedience. God deserves our submission. Anything less than our submission or surrender or or obedience to God should grieve us because it grieves God, and yet there's another aspect of this that I want to draw your attention to. It's really the positive side of the why of repentance. Why do we need to repent? Become aware, decide to change a decision that's there. An awareness out of desire to change, then a decision to do so. Why? Because it brings us into alignment with God. When we make those choices, when we respond to God's truth, with a desire to change and then take the steps toward change, we begin to align ourselves with God. Now, any, in any relationship, think with me for a moment, in any relationship, whatever, a friendship, a marriage, whatever it might be, a work relationship, there's nothing better than alignment. 
There's nothing worse than the absence of alignment. When you're in alignment with another person, it is a wonderful thing. Just think about human relationships for a moment. When you're in alignment with your, your spouse, it's a tremendously positive thing. When you're aligned with your friends and aligned with those that you're working with, it is a wonderful thing that happens in our life. This is why the Bible so often warns us about the dangers of things like division and strife and disharmony, and, and the Bible points us to the power of unity. Let me give you a few of these verses, and then we'll bring it back. Back to its application. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to how Paul writes to the believers at Corinth. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, all of you come into alignment with one another and what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. He's talking about human relationships and alignment. Mark 3, 25. Jesus said this, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So true. You get a house that's all divided, everybody doing their own thing, going their own way, all kind of mixed values and mixed priorities in relationships. It's not going to stand the test of time, the test of circumstances. And so there needs to be alignment. Psalm 133, I love this passage, the first three verses. Actually, it's the entire passage, actually the entire psalm. The Passion Translation, how truly wonderful and delightful to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity or in alignment. It is as precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. This heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping down from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. For, for from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. Now, all of these verses that I've just read, yes, they apply to human relationships. But here's my, my proposition to you today. If human harmony, if human alignment is so important to God, how much more so is our harmony or our alignment with God important to Him and important to us? If God says, get along with people, He certainly wants us to get along with Him. He certainly wants us to be aligned with Him. And so actually the reality is the more aligned we are with God, the more aligned we will be with people. You want a better marriage? Have a better relationship with God. You want better friendships? Have a better relationship with God. You want to have a better work environment? Have a better relationship with God. Because in alignment with God, alignment comes in the other relationships of our life. Now, here's the thing to remember. God is perfect. There's not a, simp not a single thing that God needs to change. He says, I'm the Lord, I change not. He doesn't need to change. You don't change perfection. And so when alignment is needed, it's not needed by God. God doesn't align to us. We align to Him. He's the standard. He's the measurement. He is perfection. And so when we measure ourselves with God, the adjustment is not with God. The adjustment is with us. And so repentance is necessary because it brings us in alignment with God. It is the process that brings us to be aligned with Him. And all things benefit from alignment. As I was studying for this message, I actually uh, I thought about just your automobile. And uh, uh, many people talk about getting your front end aligned, the wheels in your car aligned, and so forth. And so I, I just did a little reading on that. I came across an article that, that talked about six benefits of having your car, your wheels on your car aligned. Let me give them to you, and then we'll bring them over into our spiritual life. 
First of all, it increases fuel efficiency. Second of all, it, it reduces expensive auto repairs. Thirdly, it produces smoother driving. Fourthly, it improves safety. And then fifthly, it increases the life of your tires. All of these things, these five things that are listed here, they're beneficial for your car. Now think about it for, for us. In our lives, when you and I are aligned with God, it saves energy in your life. It reduces the repairs that are necessary in your life. It makes your life a whole lot smoother. It secures and protects your life. It produces greater longevity for your life. The applications are obvious. Repentance brings us into alignment with God. And when you're out of alignment with God, I'll tell you something, it's a rough ride. It's a very rough ride when you're out of alignment with God. Proverbs speaks of this. In Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful, the way of the person who's out of alignment with God, the way of the unfaithful is hard. It is a tough ride when you're out of alignment with God. There's a big positive why to repentance. Why should you and I repent? Because it produces alignment with God, which is a very desirable thing. We all need that in life and benefit from it. Now let's go to the third and final question today. How? You say, well, pastor, I understand what repentance is now. I, you gave me those three words. I, I get it. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awareness that leads to a desire, that leads to a decision. I get that part. And now I understand why. It gets us in alignment with God. And alignment with God is the best way to live your life. Yeah, I get that. But how? How do I do it? How do we repent? Here's the answer to that. I'm going to break it down for you uh, in, in some subpoints in just a moment. But the basic answer to that is this. Repentance is something you do. Repentance is something you do. Let me explain that for you. It's important to understand that we have a personal responsibility when it comes to repentance. When John the Baptist preached, preparing the way for Jesus to come, he preached these words, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You need to make a choice to repent. When Jesus started preaching... In his ministry, he preached over and over again, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's your responsibility, my responsibility to engage in repentance. Repentance isn't something God does for us. Repentance isn't something that someone else can do for you. You can't wait around and hope that somebody else does your repenting for you. That doesn't happen. Repentance is something that you and I are responsible for doing ourselves. It's something that God says, this is something you must do. No one else can do this for you. And to understand how, you have to understand that it's yours and my responsibility to do it. And remember, repentance is the entry ramp into recovery. It's being aware of things that God is trying to talk to you about in your life that need to change. And then not just feeling bad about it, but desiring to change and then making the decision to do the things necessary to change, knowing that God will give you the power that is needed for that. This is the how that applies to us. Number one, you've got to stop blaming other people. You have to stop blaming other people for your problems. I'm going to come back to this, uh, some of these points that I'm going to be sharing with you right now and expand upon them uh, more in, uh, in, in more in depth uh, later as a part of this series but I do want to touch on them right now. You have to stop blaming other people. So many times we want to say, my problem is that person's fault. My area of recovery that I need in my life, it, it wouldn't be an issue if it weren't for that set of circumstances or that group of people or that other person there that did this to me. And so there's a tendency that we have to blame our problems on something or someone else. When David realized his need for recovery after his 
tremendous moral failure with Bathsheba. He writes a a, a psalm that is a very powerful psalm, but I want you to notice how David takes responsibility for his mistake. He writes these words, have mercy on me. Notice the personal pronoun, me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out. Notice he said my transgressions, not somebody else's. He wasn't blaming Bathsheba. He wasn't blaming somebody else. He was blaming himself. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is all always before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you're right in your verdict and justified when you judge. David said, you know, God, it's really not about anybody else right now. It's really about me. I'm not coming to you with a blame orientation, and I promise you, you will never recover if you spend your life blaming other people. It's just not going to happen because your focus is in the wrong, in, in the wrong place. That leads to the second thing that repentance is all about. How do you do it? You've got to stop not only blaming other people, but stop judging other people. Judging as you've formed an opinion in your mind about people and their, their, their effect upon your life or, or some aspect of their life that you now have put something on them and your focus is not on you anymore. Your focus is on them. They need to change. Not only are you saying, are they at fault, but they're the ones that need to change. I don't need to change. They need to change. How many times have we gone through our lives and we focused our attention upon somebody else that we think needs to change. We don't really think about where, where I, you, we need to change in our lives. And Jesus was very clear about that. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, Jesus says these words, passion translation, refuse to be a critic, full of bias toward others. And judgment will not be passed on you. For you'll be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. What is Jesus saying? Jesus says, get your eyes off of the issues and other people's lives. Get your eyes on the issues in your life. You will never experience repentance if you're in a mode of blaming people. That's how you live your life. I'm just blaming them. It's their fault. You'll never experience repentance. That's the entry ramp to recovery. If you're always judging other people, they're the one that needs to change, not me. I don't have the issues they do. And then thirdly, you have to stop justifying your sin. Repentance will never happen in your life if you're justifying your sin. What does it mean to justify your sin? It's to find some reason why whatever you're doing is okay. We all have the tendency to want to justify the things that are wrong in our lives, that we want to come up with reasons. Well, well, it's okay for me, or it's okay for this reason. And so we justify the bad patterns and the habits of our life that are detrimental to our spiritual journey and that are opposite of God's ways. We justify them and we make them okay for us. Well, it may not be okay for them, but it's okay for me. It's, it's okay. I have a reason for this in my life. Proverbs 14, 12 says, you can rationalize it all you want and justify the path of error you have chosen, but you'll find out in the end that you took the 
road to destruction. You can say, you can do that all day long, justify and rationalize what's going on in your life and say, hey, I've got reasons for it. But the Bible says it still will lead to the road of destruction until you stop the rationalization and the justification. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus, I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.